Hey, this is Ricky Pickett, the younger brother of the Brothers of Thunder podcast. And today we're going to go over four signs that may show that you may be a Pharisee. It's Friday night. Friday night. And the mood is right. Gonna have some fun. Show you how it's done. Let's just say you were an alien visiting Earth, right? And so you you land and you parachute in and you look at today's Christianity and the culture of Christianity. And if you were to give your own assessment, you would probably think that we got our culture from Jesus and his followers going around and rebuking sinful men and their war with their sinful age. Right. And that's because today, most prominent preachers and conservatives speak of this culture war. It's a war that pits the kingdom of God versus the sinfulness of this age. And look, sin is sin. And Jesus' entire mission, his earthly mission, was to be the sin bearer, to die for the sins of those who believe and place their trust in him as Savior and Lord. But that is the macro narrative of the Bible. Man's complete ruin and sin and what God has done through Christ to bring us to him again. But within the Bible, there's also a another micro narrative that's going on is one that today's culture of Christianity tends to sidestep. And that culture is a culture of religion. And what I mean by religion is any practice or saying that's being added to God's word or taking God's word out of context. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the one that speaks of liberty and freedom and joy and happiness is at complete odds with religion <laughs> and religion is, is very slave nature and suppressive. So if you read the New Testament, the main flag waivers of religion were a group of individuals called the Pharisees. And these were men of influence and they actively interpreted the word of God. So a lot of them were teachers and and, and well-established men. And although they were small in number, their influence was seen in many of the synagogues and temples around Israel. You know, the irony of their name meant separate or detached. <laughs> so Pharisee men saw a need to respond to the culture of their day's religion, which was Judaism. And they were reformers and they sought to right the ship of a religion that they felt was sinking in uh, lawlessness and mixing with the culture of their day. You know, this was a healthy concern of wanting people to come out from underneath that lawlessness. But here's where they went wrong. Instead of wanting people to return to God, they actively sought for people to return to a more pious and strict and religious culture. So here's the biggest problem with wanting people to return to a culture instead of wanting people to return to Jesus and God and being moved by the power of the Holy Spirit culture needs a trendsetter and apart from jesus being the trendsetter in the culture someone else will take that place or that mantle so suddenly the freedom of the gospel is replaced by a pseudo freedom of rules and the face of religion is replaced by the faces of men or women that pump out these rules so if you read the gospels matthew mark luke john you tend to see that jesus's enemies were not you know, the cultural misfits of his day, you know, they were the Pharisees. So just in your mind, just think of all the sinful activities that instantly pop up into your mind, like uh, being a whore or, 
you know, getting drunk or stealing of murder or any of those things, you know, you would think that if you look at today's Christianity, you would think that, okay, we get that culture from the way Jesus did it back then. But if you really look at the gospels, man, the main thing that Jesus was, was going against was the culture of religion and in the face of that culture was the Pharisees. Like they appear like gnats every time Jesus entered the scene. <laughs> it was surprising is how much Jesus openly rebuked them. Like he's, he didn't patticate them when they were wrong. Like he made sure that not only they heard his rebuke, but that others, especially his disciples, heard their rebuke. And they served as agents of Satan, whether they liked it or not, or whether they knew so or not. And people that actively stifle the Holy Spirit are agents of, state, of Satan. And stifling the Holy Spirit just means to prevent people from either seeing Jesus, knowing Jesus, or expressing Jesus. So that's why if you read the Gospels, you see more of their dealings with Jesus than Jesus' dealings with your typical description of sinners. You know, the end result of Pharisee culture or religious culture is death. And that's exactly what they did to Jesus and his followers. So I say all that to say this. Is the spirit of the Pharisee alive today? Man, you bet. <laughs> Look, remember, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And all of us are capable of repeating the same foolish tragedies as the Pharisees. And remember, like all religious foolishness, Pharisee wisdom starts out with concern, but ignores the fork in the road called the living and breathing Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that's a big fork, man. You can't miss it. And instead of falling under Jesus as being the trendsetter, they adopt his logo and create an industry of his likeness the same way that Nike does with Michael Jordan. You know, so let's dive into Matthew 23 and discuss how you may be a Pharisee. So if you remember when I said Jesus will openly rebuke uh, the Pharisees, um, he's doing so right now, beginning in Matthew chapter 23, uh, verse one, and he's openly rebuking them. <laughs> but here's the thing. He's talking to the crowd, you know, so he doesn't intend for just the Pharisees to receive this message. He needs for everyone whether this crowd is filled with sinners, whether they're filled with his disciples, whether they're filled with the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes or whoever's in the crowd. This is a message towards everyone and everyone should listen. And so should we. So here are the four reasons Jesus gives that may prove that you may be a Pharisee. The first reason is they preach, but they don't practice what they preach. The second one is that they clothe people with extreme legalism that they themselves don't wear. The third is they're addicted to the spotlight so that all of their good deeds are done before others. And the fourth one is that they love the praise of men. But it would be horrible for me to just give you the symptoms of a Pharisee and not give you the cure. And the cure for having a Pharisaical heart is to serve, is <laughs> to have a servant's heart, to always want to serve. And so before we get into all of the symptoms of the four symptoms and signs of being a Pharisee, uh, what I will also tackle is the cure. And the cure is to always be willing to serve. Number one. 
All right, so let's talk about it. Uh, the first one is that the Pharisees did not practice what they preached. And that's really self-explanatory. I mean, the world uses that phrase probably more so than a Christian does. Um, but here's the thing that I did want to clear up. Uh, the Pharisees did not enter into the scene with bad doctrine. In fact, they had perfect doctrine. And so it wasn't a fault of them messing up and, and not being able to see and and uh, bow down to Jesus because of bad doctrine. No, they had really good doctrine. And, you know, it was eloquent in all of their delivery. They just didn't practice what they preached. And so it's, it's, it wasn't a situation like if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and you see that instance where uh, a man is sleeping with his step his stepmother and it seems like the church is okaying it or ignoring it and you know that's because they had twisted doctrine and that's not the pharisees the pharisees wouldn't be the ones to say hey you know that's okay you know go ahead and sleep with your stepmother you know we can we can go around that no they'll be they'll be the ones to say no in front of everyone don't do that but then when they get home you know, they may be sleeping with their cousin, you know, <laughs> or sleeping with their stepmother doing the exact same thing that 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 man was doing. So um, for us, if you say, well, how how am I a Pharisee? Because I'm not sleeping with my stepmother or I'm not sleeping with my stepfather or, or something as extreme as that. But sometimes the probably the most common way that we live out the Pharisaical life is seen in little small things like forgiveness you know, we're, we're quick to, you know, condemn people for not forgiving. And yet, you know, when somebody wrongs us, we give them the cold shoulder, you know, or we're the first ones to say, look at the news and say, man, people are robbing and, and killing and stealing. But at the same time, you know, we may be even wrathful in our own homes or we're wrathful to our, our families or our children or you know we turn a blind eye or we, we're very mean and so it's it's no difference even in like I mean even jesus said if you uh hate a brother in your heart you know that's the same thing as, as murdering someone so you know we can't get away with it you can't have you can't have both sides of the coin you know you can't have your cake and eat it too so um that's one that's a few ways that we can be pharisees number two so let's talk about the second sign. The second sign is uh, clothing people with extreme legalism that they themselves would not wear. And what I mean by that is uh, enforcing strict rules uh, and regulations upon people that they themselves did not adhere to is another form of hypocrisy. And uh, what legalism basically is, is going beyond the confines and the limits of what God has already said and established. So I always use this example, this example of uh, a, a front yard and you have a busy street and you don't want your children to run into the street. And so you may warn them and say, hey, baby, you know, don't run into the street. Uh, you may, you know, smack their hand or give them a pop if they go into the street just so they know that the rule says don't go into the street. But somebody who's very legalistic will say, hmm. What if I just go ahead and tell them that don't even go outside in the front yard, period. And so now you twisted the mindset of this child to expect the front yard to be evil. 
And God never said that. But that's what legalists do. They take something that is good, add something on top of it. And now the good becomes the bad before the person can even get to the bad to begin with. So you see that with everything. You know, a legalist will take anything and make it bad. So here's the thing. God creates freedom with borders. And so for a person that has a, a, a pharisaical heart, they're afraid of the freedom and they love the borders. And instead of enjoying the, the freedom that God gives you and you seeing the borders and being OK with not going across that border, they want to shrink the borders in as far as possible so that you can't have any freedom. But you always are attached and can touch the borders. And so one of the things that we can be Pharisees in and that one thing that I see a lot and one thing that I myself that I went through was music. Um, anything that is not uh, explicitly Christian, you know, we deem unholy. And that's not true, because if you use that logic, then you can't do many things like you can't even uh, sing happy birthday, you know, or you can't even go into an elevator because they're playing jazz. <laughs> and it's just little things like that. Or, you know, it could be uh, the way that you look at a female and, and that uh, she may dress inappropriately to your mind. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with her wearing pants, you know. So we go down this rabbit hole of putting restrictions because uh, you, you're afraid that one day this lady is going to go out and, and wear something that's real revealing and. And then she's going to attract the minds of men. And then next thing you know, she's going to become a whore. Like that's the mind of a Pharisee. And, you know, we have to get out that mindset, especially uh, when we impose those views on other people, because, you know, we have to remember that Jesus is liberty. <laughs> and what a spirit of what a spirit is, there is freedom, there is liberty. So, you know, we have to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to convict people to let them know, hey, I can't go past this line because God establishes the borders of our hearts and not me. Number three. All right, so uh, let's talk about the third sign. The third sign was that the Pharisees were addicted to the spotlight so that all their good deeds were done before men. And uh, one of the ways that Jesus was accusing the Pharisees was uh, he noticed that they were givers, but the only sign that they gave was in public. Like they would tithe, but they would tithe in public. But one of the problems was they didn't give behind the scenes. So they would tithe a hundred dollars into the collection plate. But when they walked past somebody who was poor and needy and needed, you know, 20 cents, they would just walk past them. And, and in fact, probably scold the person for being in their way. And uh, another thing that they would do is that they would uh, love scripture so much that they would plaster or hang on their clothing or place on their head uh, uh, garments that contain scripture so that it could be close to their heart or close to their their, their thoughts, right? <laughs> but all that is is just an outward showing of a bad heart because you want everybody to know how much scripture and how much you love, quote unquote, God. And, you know, so how am I a Pharisee? We can do that sometimes by, you know, when we place scripture on social media, right? And we can say, you know, read this, blah, 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 blah. Oh, God has been so good to me. I read this this morning. And really, you're just loving the fact that everybody's noticing that you read the Bible. 
you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and but you excuse it because you're saying hey i'm just preaching or i'm just teaching but like really you just want everybody to know that you that you read the bible or when you talk about tithing and you say hey man you got to give you know i gave to pastor so-and-so or when you give you know, like you go up to in front of the pastor and you give them money so that everybody can see it or like i see it sometimes <laughs> like you may be in a prayer meeting or you may be in prayer and you know somebody could be it could be we could be praying for the the homeless and then somebody in their prayer will slip in. Hey, yeah, we're praying for the homeless. And, you know, I picked up a homeless person, you know, yesterday and I made sure I fed them and I did this and I did that. And it's like, man, we we didn't even have to know that, you know. <laughs> so that's one of the ways like you always have to slip in something so that the spotlight can always be shining upon you. And just little subtle ways. And that's one of the ways that you can tell that you have a pharisaical heart. Number four. All right. So let's talk about this last sign. The last sign is that the Pharisees love the praise of men. And um, if you've been using this list as a checkoff list to see if you're a Pharisee or not, and um, you haven't been checking any of the signs one through three, you need to get the biggest, fattest marker and check number four because everybody deals with the praise of men on some level um, because we love praise. I mean, you can look at little kids. The moment you tell a kid, oh, you did a good job, little Johnny, like that kid lights up. And that's because we light up our pleasure centers light up uh, when we receive praise. It's no different than when we eat chocolate and then all of a sudden you're doing a chocolate boy dance. <laughs> like that's what we do we love praise and see here's the problem the problem is not praise praise in and of itself is not wrong it's when we live for praise is where we falter and we go wrong um so now we're being motivated to uh participate in certain activities or to do things simply because we may receive praise and not because we're doing it out of the kindness of our heart and willing to serve Look, our sole motivation should be an audience of one. So everything that we do in life should not be motivated by uh, an attaboy or what somebody would say to us when we do something. Our sole motivation should be, be should be to please God. And here's the thing. God doesn't withhold his praise for his people like he praises you when you do things to honor him. Uh, the problem is, is when your ears are and not turn toward the direction of God, but they're turned toward the direction of people, uh, then you miss the praise of God, which is the best praise that you can get. I mean, imagine Jesus, you know, coming down on earth and as you, you know, do something, he's like clapping for you. Like what better applause is there to receive than to receive from your father? And the best thing that can happen to any of us is when we get to heaven and he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Like there's nothing greater. Like who cares about the applause of men? Well, we can get that. But if your attention is never, ever, ever on the father of lights, but instead is on people, then you will miss that. And so then you'll always live for people's praise. And the one thing about people is that they'll praise you today and then they'll boo you tomorrow. And so you'll always leave, uh, live a defeated life if you're constantly living for the praise of men.
Now look, nobody is a literal Pharisee, but the system by which the Pharisees operated by is still alive and that system is religion. And part of religion, one of the telltale signs that you know you are steeped in religion and it doesn't matter how much Bible you know um, or how many acts that you do all in the name of Jesus is that you have a detached uh, viewpoint of yourself uh, in relation to the world. Like you're constantly detached, like you're constantly in comparison of who I am versus the world. Or like I said in the intro, you are always having this mentality of the kingdom of God versus the world, you know, and it shouldn't be that way. God has already conquered. He has already overcome the world. Like the victory is already had, you know, the only thing he's asking us to do is to be an agent of change. And to be an agent means you have to be in relation to something and you have to always be in connection with the people that you perceive to be uh, unrighteous or unholy. And so in order to do that, uh, to rectify that, you have to have a servant's heart. And Jesus even said it uh, in verse 11. He said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humble. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So the exalted heart and the exalted ego is so puffed up <laughs> like it is way up in the sky and like i said one time in another devotional uh our lungs were never meant to breathe that air that air is is rarefied air and that air is for god alone and we can't breathe that like we have to humble ourselves and and be willing to serve so you can't serve someone who you are constantly detached from and that you believe uh, should be left to their own devices. You know, that is one of the reasons why God gave or Jesus gave the parable of the Good Samaritan. Like he listed the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests and all of these people who knew Bible, who knew doctrine. And when they saw that person on the side of the road, all of that doctrine in that servant's heart was gone because they were so detached that they didn't they weren't willing to to get dirty and to get into the muck and to be willing to serve so a servant is always serving like they practice what they preach because they're always serving a servant doesn't care about the spotlight they just care about the work getting done you know a servant doesn't care about receiving praise because they're just concerned about the individual or they're concerned about the ministry or they're concerned about uh, the overall health of everybody involved because it's a team atmosphere when it comes to a servant. A servant just wants to serve. A servant doesn't care about doing their good deeds before men because most of the time a servant does thing and does uh, good deeds and we don't even know. Like, who cares? Like a servant just wants to get things done. And they're so humble that they believe that if the team wins, then everybody wins. And a servant is, is not jealous of their fellow man. So a, a servant would go ahead and, and go ahead and, and praise somebody uh, for the works that they're doing. If they're part of a team, they're not going to just allow somebody to work and then ignore the contributions to that person. They're, they're a team player. They, they're the biggest cheerleaders and the biggest grinders uh, that you will ever see. So our jobs to rid ourselves in our hearts, even if it's just a small corner of our heart that has adopted that, that pharisaical mindset, 
our job is to serve and to be a humble servant and to be willing to just uh, accept the fact that you are working uh, under the lordship of King Jesus. Like that is a privilege. And when we understand that it is a privilege and an honor to be called by him and to be doing the work of him, all of the things that the Pharisees cared about will be gone out the window. Hey, thanks for listening to the Brothers of Thunder podcast. Uh, you can continue to check online, check all the, the avenues by which you listen to podcasts and just listen and look out for new episodes that we uh, bring out. Continue to support us and continue to share uh, what you heard. If you like what you heard, then tell somebody about it or just share it uh, so that others can hear it too. Uh, our main focus is Jesus Christ. Our main focus is that people be edified and have fun in the process. So um, thanks for listening to us. Continue to check out Chuck. Continue to check out uh, when we do interviews. Continue to check out uh, when we do duo shows. And like I always say, this is just the beginning. We are the Brothers of Boom. Boom.